We're going to talk about a subject today. This is the last bit of the book of James that we have been looking forward of, through for a little while now, actually. What's this? this is week 10. So 10 weeks we've been looking through it. And I had to split this section up from last one because it begins to talk about something completely different. But something that is so pivotal to our relationship with God. And simply I've just entitled this, let's pray. Prayer is important. But sometimes prayer can be somewhat misunderstood of what it's all about. We think it's this, or we think about that. But let's just break this down and let's make this as simple as possible. Prayer is communication with God. That's it. I mean, you don't even have to have the bookends. The bookends, the start of it, you know, like, Dear Jesus or Dear God. You don't have to have the end on Jesus' name. All right, they're just bookends. They just tell you when you start and when you finish. But you don't actually need those necessarily to actual prayer. But prayer is communication with God. You can be simply in your room or in your car and just pray. Hopefully you keep your eyes while you're driving open um, while you're praying. But you can pray anywhere. And oftentimes it's really important that we pray all the time. You can pray when you're going through hard times, going through good times. I often pray when my kids you know, start pushing those buttons. God, I need your help because these kids need to survive. But we can find time to pray all the time. But sometimes it's because we maybe don't have necessarily the same words or the right words that we stop or we don't pray as much. Or perhaps it's not a pivotal point or an importance in our lives. But we need to pray. We need to communicate with God because we are in a relationship with God. A mature Christian is prayerful in the troubled times of life. Instead of complaining, they talk to God. God hears and he answers prayer. God hears and he answers prayer. But he often answers them in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Sometimes it's not always yes, or sometimes it's a yes with a delay. Sometimes it's, it's a no because what we're actually asking for isn't actually going to be beneficial to us. It's like saying, God, I need a Ferrari. Perhaps the process for me to actually get to a Ferrari is a lot of change in me in order that that Ferrari doesn't actually prohibit my relationship with God. And so it's not necessarily a no, it's a wait. And so we can often misunderstand how God communicates to us because we have our desire, we bring our desire to Him, and we want all our desires fulfilled there and then. We've become a very, very fast generation or very fast time. Everything's fast. Everything's fast. I want it here. I want it now. You go to Maccas and you complain if you have to wait in line for too long, right? Not that you should be eating Maccas, but... I found these interesting quotes. Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer is not a hard requirement. It is the natural duty of a, creation, a creature to its creator. The simple homage that human need, uh, need can pay to divine liberty. Martin Luther said, No one can believe how powerful prayer is and what it can affect, except those who have learned it by experience. Whenever I have prayed earnestly, I have been heard, 
and have obtained more than I pray for. God sometimes delays, but he always comes. There's a story in the Bible with Hannah. And if you don't know who Hannah is, Hannah is the mother of Samuel. And the early story goes that Hannah is barren. She can't have kids. She desperately wants a child. And she goes to the, to the tabernacle. She goes to the, the place where they understand where God is and she prays. And her prayer is such from her heart that as the priest watches her, he thinks that she is drunk and just babbling. But God hears her prayer and answers it. He doesn't answer it there and then. She becomes pregnant overnight, has a child. There's a process to getting her desire. But God moves. And oftentimes, God is moving after our prayers. But sometimes it's simple because we are impatient that we don't see necessarily what takes place. I have learnt that prayer means patience. I pray and then I have to wait. I might keep praying for the same old thing, wait, but I still have to wait for God to move. Especially because oftentimes people are involved. And if God has to move people in places, then he has to move upon your hearts and my hearts in order to be repositioned to actually God's will taking place. We pray again according to our will. God answers according to his. But we come to this passage of scripture in James chapter 5, starting from verse 13. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sing, sick? Sing. Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, then they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from the depth and will cover a multitude of sin. Wow. I love the start. If any of you among us suffering, then pray. He then repeats in a little way, he says, any of you are sick? Pray. If you haven't learned from there, pray. If you're going through something you don't understand how to get through, pray. If you don't know how to get, deal with your children, pray. But it's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to be opened up to the answer. Because sometimes the answer doesn't come exactly how we want it to come. I prayed for a lot of things before we came out here. 
And I can tell you that a lot of things did not come or appear as I prayed for them. Sometimes we pray for things that we think we want or we think we need, but actually they're not good for us. This passage of Scripture, James finishes with this. He finishes his letter with prayer. He finishes it talking about the importance of prayer. Now he's talking to the church in Jerusalem, right? Jesus has died and resurrected in Jerusalem. The apostles have established the church in Jerusalem and they are traveling to all different parts of the known world at this point in time. They've appointed James, the brother of Jesus, as the head of the church in Jerusalem and he is writing to the church. Because at this point in time, they don't have this big fancy building, right? They don't have this big fancy building that all we all want. They're separated in little home churches all over the place and that's how the church originated. In home churches. Simply because at that point in time, no one had the budget to build a building. No one had the building. No one could get in the tabernacle and teach the message of Jesus because that was direct violation against Judaism. So they met at homes. And so they would write letters and pass them through the homes. It was like home group teaching system thing. They didn't have the privilege of turning up to one place, meeting all their friends and families, spending time together worshipping and, and just simply learning. But James finishes his letter with the concept of prayer. Same pray. If you're going through difficulties, because we all go through them, pray. Learn to pray in your challenges. Learn to ask God for wisdom in those areas because the Bible says that if we, have, if we lack wisdom, we ask for wisdom, God will grant us wisdom. I don't know how many times I've prayed that one. I go into meetings, God, I have no idea how this outcome is going to be. I need wisdom. And then if you allow or open yourself up to him, uh, it's quite amazing sometimes that you can be sitting there talking to someone and the words that are coming out of your mouth like, I know it's my mouth, I know it sounds like my voice, but it doesn't actually feel like me talking. And you're like gobsmacked. You're like, I mean, you look good. Some of the things that have come out of my mouth, I'm sitting there like, wow, I look good, but it ain't me. I've gone into hostile situations. And you pray, God, give me wisdom so this doesn't explode. This could get really, really bad. God, you need to move. And he moves. And it's not as bad as what you think it is. Sometimes it's the simplicity of prayer that becomes important. It's not about all the right words. I remember being in a prayer meeting. And this person, they don't come here. I'm not going to name names. This person got up and started praying. And as I was listening, because you know, you want to come in agreement with what they're praying, it was so eloquent. I mean, it was wow. All the right words were saying, it was just amazing. And then into it, I was like, what's he actually saying? And I felt like in my, this is just me, right? Felt like saying, just ask him for something. Because sometimes we think it's all about the words, you know, what's said. Most of the time, people will never hear your prayers. 
But I can tell you this. This is really important. Whatever is done in private will manifest itself in the public. If you don't work on your relationship with God in your private life, that is what will be manifested in your public appearance. When you go through difficulties, when you go through the challenges of life, when world, your world is turned upside down and magnified a hundred times, what is inside of you will come out. And if you spend the simple times of praying through your day, God, I need your wisdom. Right? If you're married, you need wisdom. If you're a parent, you need wisdom. If you work for somebody, you need wisdom. If you work for yourself, you need wisdom. If you live in a house, you need wisdom. If you live in this crazy world that we call Australia or this world today, you need wisdom. You need to be praying. You need to be asking God, how do I get through this? I have a crazy neighbor. No, I don't actually have a crazy neighbor, but I have, you know. I mean, the only real, I mean, we come up to 15 years this year for our marriage. And we both sit there, wow, how did we get to this point? We're friends of ours. Just celebrated this week 60 years. How do you get through that? You know, if anyone ever asked me later down in life when it's quite impressive, my simple answer will be this prayer. Prayer. It's, it's no more difficult than that prayer. How you develop your relationship is through prayer. God, I need to help this person's annoying me, and they will. Prayer. God, how do I keep, mar- keep staying married to my wife? Prayer. How do I try and understand women? Prayer. How do I learn to accept the things that I cannot change? Prayer. How do I work out how to be more efficient in what I'm doing? Prayer. But James begins to give four reasons for prayer, and I tell you what, there's so many more. But he just begins to list four of them. The first one is prayer for suffering. When you're suffering, pray. If you know someone's suffering, pray. If you're going in through, think pray. It's not overly complicated. Like, if you want to... Let's break this down. Right? God understands our simpleness. Okay? We are not complicated to God. Our bodies are complicated, but we're not. We're quite simple. And even if you think you're complicated, you're not. You're simple. And I'm not being derogative that you're simple means silly or stupid. I mean, we are quite simple. We are creatures of habit. But God knows. He knows his creation. and He understands how to actually communicate with him because he knows that if he's anything complicated, we just won't do it. And so he makes things simple, and yet sometimes we still don't do them. I mean, that word afflicted in that verse means suffering in difficult circumstances, challenges. It means hardship. God knows that we go through hardship. He knows that we go through difficult circumstances. He knows that we suffer. Sometimes we make things worse than they are. You know, we kick our little toes. Take the leg. Take the leg. Right? Sometimes little things happen. And it's such a dramatic experience. We make it so much bigger. And sometimes it's like God just in there's like, 
Right, when you get a hold of yourself, I'm, I'm here. I mean, human nature in our difficulties and our struggles, this, this is how simple we are, right? It's not hard. It's all written down in books. If you just read them, you learn about human nature. Human nature is really simple. When we go through difficulties, when we go through challenges, the first thing we do is we look for someone else to blame. It's someone else's fault. They did it to me. And if you read social media for more than 30 seconds, a lot of it is filled that someone goes through a difficult times and they're blaming someone else. It's this person's fault. They did it to me. But we need to pray. We need to stop finding excuses and just pray. God, right now I am going through hell. Well, that's what it feels like. My world is crumbling down around me and I don't know what to do. The wife doesn't like me. Kids won't listen to me. Bills are piling up. God, I need you. I need you to do a miracle right now. Pray. Because oftentimes we're in a situation that we have no idea how to get out of. If anything is taught, uh, we have learnt in the experience of having fivefold our charity is this. It amazes me the level that people will get to before they ask for help. Some of the stories we've heard is just, like you sit there and you scratch your head. It's like, I, I, yeah, you've, that's a deep hole. And I don't know how to get you out of. We can offer you something, but you're going to have to dig out of this hole. It's funny when we go into difficult times because we, we close off from each other. We start moving away from each other. We start, uh, I'll pretend it's not there. I'm dealing with, with my son with his diabetes, and you know, it's great to have Jason. And, and we've got some friends who are a little bit older with her. And then, um, you know, it's a tragic situation. You don't know about diabetes. It's, it's horrendous, okay? It's horrendous. It's, it's probably more mental. Would you say that's probably a fair game? More mental than it is physical. There's no known cure. They just treat you, teach you how to manage it. And my son's turning 10 this year, which is a scary thought. But as he begins to approach those teenage years... We have the advantage because we're watching and we've had the experience of talking to Jason about what happens in those teen, what, what can happen in those teenage years. I mean, we all know that teenagers, and some of you know a little bit more firsthand than others, and some of us have all that to look forward to, that teenagers are difficult at best to deal with. They have this thing, I don't know where it comes from, my mum always used to joke about it when we turned into teenagers, there was a transformation that happened. The words that only the only words that would come out of our mouth were more grunts. Oh, we have a someone who agrees. <laughs> right? You don't get too much. Yeah, I'm but fine. Hungry, hungry. <laughs> TV, TV. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hungry, not for that. I don't want that cake. <laughs> but like my son is moving towards those years. 
And even now we're trying to work at a, at a point in his life to get him to a point to understand what he goes through. It doesn't take away the challenge, but he needs to come to that point of accepting of it. It's like almost like if I don't accept it, if I try and pretend it's not real, then it goes away. No, it means you have to deal with it at some point in time. And the longer you try and push it or pretend it's not there, the bigger the problem is. We need grace for our challenges, our weaknesses. And we need his prayer. We need him to speak to us and guide us during the whole process. I mean, prayer and worship are so important, so paramount to the Christian way of living. You know, we need to learn how to lift him up when we need to be lifted up. Because when we lift him up in our challenges, we actually find ourselves being lifted up. But our worship should be an external expression of our inner spiritual life. Like I don't come to church on Sunday expecting to be entertained by our phenomenal music team. They are not there to entertain me. They are there to lead us into worship. But like I tell you, I have already worshipped before I turned up. I have already prayed before I turned up. I have already read my Bible before I turned up. I am ready to go before I turn up. My expectations of David and Victoria and our phenomenal music team is not, take me to Jesus. Because we've already met today. We already met it this morning. I get up at 4 o'clock on morning on Sunday mornings and I'm getting up and I'm preparing. And the first thing I do is open up the book. And I'm reading what his word says and then I, then I pray and then I spend time going over my message. I say, God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to say? What do you want to change? And it's not just because I'm the pastor. I do this every Sunday. And every day I get up and I do the same routine. Obviously, it might be a little bit different time. But I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible and I'm worshiping and I'm going, God, what do you want to do for my day today? What do you want to say? What do you want to do? Because I go through challenges. I go through struggles. I need him. I need him to go, God, Pete, here's what you do. And it's never the same. Because God doesn't work the formulas. And the reason why he doesn't work the formula is because if you work the formulas, you'd have more faith in the formula than you would have in him. And so he changes it up just to keep it irregular. And what worked yesterday doesn't necessarily work today. The second thing James starts talking about is prayer for the sick. And he doesn't give a clear picture of how to pray for the sick. There's no formula given here. He doesn't go, okay, this is what you do. Boom, 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 boom. Healing. Because God doesn't work in a formula. I mean, I've prayed for people and I've seen them healed. And I've prayed for other people and they haven't. I mean, the first time I did a hospital visit, I walked in. This guy was on the bed. He did not look good at all. I prayed over him. He didn't understand a word I said. He was out of it. 
and got back. And then I found out the next day he died. And then I had to deal with that, of course. Because the truth is, I don't heal anybody. It's not me who heals. I'm not a healer. I am just a hand. And James gives a very clear understanding of this. He says, look, if you're sick, you go to the elders of the church, they anoint you with oil, and they pray over you. And the reason why he starts beginning this is because there's something that comes into this is not all sickness, just understand that, not all sickness, but there can be sickness that can be a result of sin. And it's talking more about habitual sin. And the reason why James begins to explain this is because he's saying, if there is sickness in your life, you go to the elders, right? And if you need to, confess. Put things right. And if you put things right, a prayer in faith will bring forth healing. Because the person is healed by repentance and the prayer of faith. God will, or God can heal with or without means. Means God doesn't necessarily need someone to put their hands on that person to be healed. Okay? And it's not about, I've heard so many different stories, heard so many different opinions on, on praying for the sick. Here is the truth no one understands it. And the reason why no one understands it is because it's not a person who does it. That is the truth. It is God who heals, not me. And anybody who claims to be healing has not got the understanding that it is God. And that is a crying shame. The third thing, because we are running out of time, James begins to talk about praying for a nation or praying for the nation. And he uses Elijah as an example of prayer. And what a mighty man of God he was, even though he fell and did stupid things and had lack of faith in different moments of his time. I mean, he prayed for it not to rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed for it to rain, and it rained. I mean, I wish my prayers were answered like that, like, literally like that. You know, God, my Lord needs rain. God, it can stop now. It seems to me more like you go to wash your car and it rains. <laughs> or you go, let's go have a family barbecue in the park. Robert Law said, Prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And too many times we can fall into what God promises because we stop praying. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he went back to his disciples. He went alone and he prayed. But God didn't actually give him the answer. Or in the context of God didn't remove the struggle. God didn't remove what Jesus was going to go through. Jesus went through the cross or still went through to the cross. But what God did for him was enable him to actually go through. 
There are oftentimes we pray for things because we have this expectation that God will remove it from us when realistically what he gives us is the grace to go through it. Paul prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh. Meaning he had something in his lives and depending on how you want to speculate, no one actually knows what his thorn in the flesh would be. But he prayed that his thorn in the flesh would be removed. And you know what? It never was. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. The Bible says that Elijah prayed earnestly, earnestly. And when you look at that word earnestly, it means he prayed in prayer. He just didn't say words. He prayed in his prayer. I mean, most people don't pray in their prayers. They're just saying these words. And you can't judge where someone actually, what the word someone actually says because you don't know their heart. But if you learn to understand that we pray from our hearts according to his will, that's where things change. Prayer is the most powerful thing in this world today. I mean, you look at man's progress. We've come from manpower to horsepower to dynamite power, then to TNT, then to this thing called atomic power. And yet, prayer is greater than all of these. Paul finishes or starts to begin to finish by praying for the strain. I mean, those who are struggling, those who are walking away, the brothers and sisters who are strained from the truth, who are struggling where they're at. I tell you what, it's never instant. Nothing is instant in this world. Something always begins and progresses to a point. But that word strain suggests that a gradual moving away. Sometimes it can be referred to as backsliding. But it's often a result of sin in our lives. It's a gradual spiral away from the Father. A spiritual decline getting further and further just by stopping little bits and pieces here and there. A wandering from the truth. And oftentimes it starts from a struggle. When Jesus was in that garden and while Peter should have been praying, he was sleeping. And then he wonders why he denied Jesus three times. The outcome of wandering is always going to be sin. But James begins to relay there's an important fact that we need to understand that those who are strained, those who are not around, those who are not here today, perhaps there's another reason. Perhaps we need to reach out to our brothers and sisters. Perhaps we need to pray for them and say, God, get them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Proverbs 10, 12. John 3.16, a famous passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, it was the love of the Father that covered the multitude of our sins. Because God loved. 
And this notion that all love is love is... The love the Father has for us is this unconditional sin. Uh, sorry, unconditional love. That God so loved the world. He so loved us that even while we were still yet sinners, even while we were walking away, even while we were denying Him, even before we even existed on this earth, He said, I love you. And regardless of what you've done, I am going to send my Son. And I'm going to send my Son so you can reconnect with me, so we can walk this road together. See, it was the love of the Father that covered our sins. The multitude, not the ones and twos, but all of them. His love, our sins no more forgiven. And He desperately, desperately wants to connect with us. He desperately wants to know everything. Not that He doesn't know what you're going through. But there's a difference between when we confess to Him, when we're talking to Him, when we're sharing with Him, than just pretending like He should already know. It's like in those early years of marriage. Men were supposed to know what our wives are thinking. I keep telling my wife, do not speak your language. I do not understand. Treat me like I'm silly and you need to explain it to me. It's easiest. It's like trying to pretend that my wife understands cars. It's just easier to explain it. It's easier just to talk to God than expect Him to have, that He knows exactly what you want, even though He already does, but He needs you to release it from your mouth because that's where faith begins to activate. God, I need you to move. I'm feeling grubby today. This person doesn't like me. I need you to guide me, to direct me, to bring me wisdom so I can better walk in your love. and So I can express your love so they, their sins can be covered as well and so they can know you. Whatever you're going through this week, whatever you're going through this year, whatever you're going through regardless, the God who loves you, that sent His only Son, His only begotten Son, to reconnect us, to die for us, so that our sins can be covered by His love, that we can walk in His grace throughout all our days, no matter what we go through, is standing there with His arm outstretched saying, Take it. Take it. Just take my hand. I will get you through this. And the whole process of what is taking place is to remove all the unwanted rubbish that we have collected over the years. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're far from Him, or you have never experienced His love, then I invite you to come and give your heart to Jesus. I invite you to come and see me down the front. I'll be down the front. And we'll walk through this whole thing called life together. But we're going to pray. We're going to finish up. We have tea and coffee. There's morning tea outside. Stay, talk, chat with somebody. I don't know if the kids are released yet. What? Released. 
We can lock them up a little bit longer if you need to. <laughs> oh, no, they love kids' church. That's why they never want to leave. But uh, We're going to pray. We're going to finish up the meeting. If you need prayer, you can come and see me as well. I'll be down the front. Don't ever, ever be afraid to not pray to God. He's not some big ogre that's going to hurt you. He loves you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person here, for all those people that are connected to us, all those people that might be going through stuff, might be struggling. Father, bless them. Guide us in all that we do. Guide us in the direction that we need to walk. Father, let our prayers be ever on our lips that we would always, always talk to you, speak to you that we would always hear from you and that we would always understand that you are always working regardless of if we see it or not. Father we bless your people we speak your mighty hand upon them strengthen them and guide them in all that they do in Jesus name we pray, Amen